This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mangan. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... Let's reimagine CarPlay. Ooh. But first, I have some follow-up. Yes, you do. Okay, so on episode 83, which was uh, the last episode I did, uh, I mentioned that anyone who is familiar with the Objective-C runtime may have some clue as to how MacRuby was implemented, and I said it's probably just extensions atop of an existing class, and surprisingly, you didn't uh, tap my fingers for that, because... I have clearly spent too much time in the .NET world, and I should have said categories, not extensions. Uh, extensions are what they are called in C Sharp, and I feel embarrassed that I said the wrong term for Objective C, which I spent six years of my life working in. Don't there forget their don't forget their call extension on Swift. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, Swift occupies such a small portion of my iOS developer mind that it's just C Sharp's fault, really. Um. Next up, on episode 73, uh, we focused on the low end of the tech industry, talking about the Android Go initiative, which aims to slim down Android for low-end phones. And this week, at Mobile World Congress, Android Go finally launched officially on six phones ranging from $50 to $130. So the six phones are the Nokia One, the Alcatel One X, the ZTE Tempo Go, the Lava Z50, the Micromax Barat Go, and the General Mobile GM8 Go. And while the last three might not be from brands you've ever heard of before, they are quite notable brands in India, which is one of the target markets for this product line. So I will put a link in the show notes to a The Verge article detailing all of the info about this Android Go product launch. I think also it's time to take maybe a, like a couple of seconds of silence for Nokia because now they're building Android phone. Well, they hmm. the whole relationship between Nokia and Microsoft has been so weird because they've technically been making Android phones since the Nokia X secretly. Um, you just haven't been paying attention to the Nokia phones that have been coming out. You know, I, I do remember that since they kind of part ways now that they are making Android phones, but oh well. Okay, next up is a brief uh, tangent on DJ controller and software ecosystems, which we covered on it episode 61 uh serato had a big week uh this week unveiling their new serato dj2 product line um so the the gist of it is that serato dj is no longer called serato dj it's now called serato dj pro and the free version that was included with controllers which was previously called serato dj intro is now called serato dj Lite. and as a part of these 2.0 upgrades there are big quality of life improvements like retina display support finally finally oh my goodness almost like six years after the original retina displays have been out but whatever who cares uh which of course i always point out this irony that serato has was one of the first websites i knew about that actually updated their websites for the retina display and then the application just never updated for the retina display which has been really fucking weird uh and on top of that there's now an offline practice mode so previously you couldn't actually um play more than one track at once while your hardware was not plugged in which means that you could only put cue points on your uh tracks but not test mixes between tracks and now you can play i believe two tracks together uh i don't think you can play four decks or whatever um that only works when you have hardware plugged in but for two song mixes go ahead while you're offline you can now do that now this is important because it marks a convergence point for a legacy product migration that consolidates the entire serato product line into two SKUs. So for years, Serato DJ ex- existed in parallel with Itch, uh, which was for uh, DJ controllers, and Scratch Live, which was for digital vinyl. And now with this migration, anyone with an existing license of Serato DJ gets a free upgrade to Serato DJ Pro. Anyone with hardware that came with a free license of the full version of Itch gets a free upgrade to Serato DJ Pro. And if you're coming from Scratch Live hardware, it's a little bit more complicated because some early hardware is not supported by Serato DJ Pro, so go look up your specific hardware on the Serato site if this applies to you. I haven't had the time to go play around with it yet this week, uh, but it sounds really nice in theory. Uh, One thing that I think has been removed from this app, however, is the support for Serato Remote, which was an app that allowed you to use uh, an iPad as an external DJ controller. Uh, It's no longer on the Serato website, so I think they just discontinued it, and I think it might not have even been updated for 64-bit, which may be why it's not there. And I'll put a link in the show notes to a video by Mojax, which is one of my favorite uh, DJ software and hardware reviewers out there, uh, giving you a first look at these new features in Serato. And last but not least, on episode 57, we talked about macOS automation technologies, and I talked a little bit about JavaScript for automation. Uh, Last week, Dr. Drang blogged about 
his recent experience with trying to use JXA for automation, and why it's still, in 2018, often preferable to still use AppleScript anyway. Uh, so I thought it would be nice to highlight it on the show for people who are interested in geeky things like that. And that is it for my follow-up. Good. So let's start into my topic. Uh, in previous episodes, Yannick and I kind of, especially I, uh, talked about CarPlay a bit in on the theoretical side. Uh, neither I nor him used it because we didn't own car that supported it. Or it literally did not own cars. I'm not pointing fingers here. I do, however, have a great hoodie of a car now. That's true. That's true. I think you should put a, a link in the show notes about I this I will hoodie. do that. Because it's a WRXSTI hoodie? Yeah, I wasn't sure if it's just Impreza or the specific uh, STI. But now that I have a car that its infotainment system supports CarPlay, I decided to revisit it. And related to my own experience with CarPlay, uh, we started to get some rumors about a potential, a potential CarPlay redesign from Apple. So at the beginning of this month, Mark Goodman posted a lengthy article at Bloomberg detailing how Apple is supposedly planning to revamp its software uh, way of pro- uh, its software lineup. One line in particular got my attention, and here's the quote. But just as important this year will be what Apple doesn't introduce. Redesign on screen for the iPhone, iPad, and CarPlay. These features were delayed after Apple dis- concluded it needed its own major upgrade in the way the company develops and introduces new products. So the fact about the, all of this, like, what the fuck is happening about the software development process at Apple is not for this episode. The important part here is, I don't know if it becomes from a real rumor or just saying like, oh, I heard that Apple is redesigning home screens on iOS, so let's name all of the iOS platform that exists. But I was finding that quite interesting that uh, CarPlay was named in his article. So whether Apple is really thinking about redesigning CarPlay or not, combined with my past few months of CarPlay usage, bring us to this topic where I'm going to describe my hypothetical redesign of CarPlay. So I've decided to structure this episode in three parts. First, I would like to revisit what CarPlay is and some of the stuff I hugely love about it and some of the other points that I sometimes dislike and sometimes I would say I ate it completely, but that's a bit of a spoiler. In the second part, we will revisit a bit how developers can integrate with it. And with all of this information, we'll end this episode with the description of what I want as a redesign for CarPlay. So let's jump into what's CarPlay. CarPlay, the simplest description we can have for it is it's iOS in the car. And we'll have to thank our good friend, and even even a friend of the show, ADQ, for this simple description, because that's how he introduced CarPlay at WWC 2013. So CarPlay is an API that car infotainment system can support where your phone mirrors a car-specific iOS interface in place of the car manufacturer's infotainment system. So CarPlay provides all of the functionality of a typical motor infotainment system, step-by-step navigation via Apple Maps, hands free phone calls, text messages, and third-party messaging apps that also include hands free uh, functionality, audio playback via Apple Music, iBooks, Apple Podcasts, and all of the third-party audio apps that supports CarPlay. CarPlay was officially launched a while ago, nearly four years ago. It was launched in March 2014. And personally, in this podcast we talk in great lengths about carplay in a previous episode it's in our top 10 it's like episode number seven which was named real big software companies sorry microsoft where yannick and i were discussing what we were eagerly awaiting for 2015 yes i did say 2015 because at this point even if it was nearly a year after carplay's introduction carplay was still in its infancy years because at that point, it's where we started to see car manufacturers really embracing CarPlay. So in, 26, in 2015, at the beginning of the year, there's a typical car show, uh, the Detroit Auto Show. And we started to see the 2016 model being, the, being introduced. And at that point, we started to see uh, General Motors, which was one of the big first car manufacturers to uh, push CarPlay into their system. 
starting to demo it. Uh, also, we've seen a lot of demos with Volvo, Ferrari. I think BMW was there. I forgot if they were launch partners. But in 2015, when we were discussing about what we were eagerly awaiting for that year, uh, CarPlay got its first full push. So as you can see, CarPlay is just Apple's opinion about how an infotainment system works. And now that we've and I won't go into that much details because if you've used a car recently, I'm sure what I've described already is just something you already know. So the typical stuff you want to do with your phone and your car while you're driving and it's not texting, even if you can do it hands free. So now we'll move to the feature that the, and the apps that I use with CarPlay because it, it's important to understand personally what I use and how it affects, how it affects the, my CarPlay experience. And like I said, CarPlay is not a fully-fledged iOS device. Even if it's running on your phone, you get the limited experience. So also you get the limited number of supported apps. It does mean that I mainly use three functionality in CarPlay. Maps, which makes sense. Uh, as a small aside, uh, Maps, like I said, is running on Apple Maps. Uh, and to be honest, like it's pretty good around here. Obviously, it's not as precise as Google Maps, but I think in the past few years, it went from being super unreliable here in Canada and especially in Quebec to kind of being precise, but not the most precise system. So sometimes you might have to input your location in Google Maps uh, before your trip or while you plan a trip. And then uh, you find the kind of the real address or the full address. So by maybe using the full address, now Apple Maps will better understand the location of where you're, where do you want to drive? Yeah, that's generally been the biggest weakness in Apple Maps is the point of interest database. And I found generally when going on trips, um, even like in Japan and stuff, like don't even bother searching for locations in Apple Maps because it won't show up. But if you give it the address, it'll be spot on all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think throughout the years, it is something that got improved and improved. But Google is moving so fast on that, that Apple has a lot of catch-up still to do. But I think right now, and I'll come back a bit about third-party navigation apps, but the fact that you only have access to Apple Map in CarPlay for my usage of a navigation system is not limiting because Apple Maps is at a level where it's more precise than the navigation system you might have in your car but not as precise as Google. So, of course, already, say, if I decide to plug my phone in my car system, it's already more precise than the one in it. And also it gets updated, where maybe the one in my car might need to have to pay for updated map data. Like I said, I decided to start with maps because I think that's the f most app I use. And uh, strangely enough, it's not because I do step-by-step -step navigation everywhere I go. I, sometimes for me, it's easier to understand where I'm going through, even if I know the exact road, by just looking at the map. If there's traffic, I might already do the routing myself. The next mostly used app on CarPlay and also on my iPhone is Overcast. And I'm sure you can understand that as Yannick and I being podcast producer, I would say, uh, we are also huge fans of podcasts. So we consume a lot of podcasts, and personally, I consume a lot of podcasts too. And I think, Kenick, you're still on Overcast, right? You're using yes. Overcast. So, Overcast, and it could be Apple Podcast. I don't think I was looking at the CarPlay information, and I don't think other third-party uh, podcast clients are supported to CarPlay. I don't. I haven't used some of them in a while, and I know Apple Podcasts is officially supported, but in all of the material that I see about CarPlay. I see Overcast icon everywhere. Like Apple is praising the fact that Overcast is supported and it makes sense for somebody like me that is a huge Overcast fan to use it in the car. Do you know if Spotify has the podcast support on the car? Ooh, that's a good question. It's been so long that I've used Spotify that I don't, I don't even, I don't recall if I even tried it when I got CarPlay. The Spotify's podcast support is bullshit anyway, but I mean, it could technically be an, an alternative to the Apple Podcasts and Overcasts app. Right. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. 
I don't know because I'm sure that I haven't even tried Spotify through uh, CarPlay. Uh, last but not least, and I think that's my main point where I would use Siri through CarPlay is really for messages or phone calls, but phone calls are super rare. So yes, replying to messages, reading messages, super simple. Uh, the problem I have with series is I think it's we'll we'll come back to some of uh, series problem later in the episode. But sometimes Siri, I'm will be dictating something when I'm in my room here, uh, and Siri will completely understand me. And when I'm in the car, I think because of maybe the shittier microphone in my car, or because there's a lot of road noise, and then Siri is not properly understanding. I feel that sometimes Siri is more unreliable than it could it can be on the phone directly but in most cases to just do a quick reply to just say okay i'm alive or yes i'm coming to get you siri is more is good enough for those quick replies uh, last but not least is music um i am an apple music subscriber tony is also an apple music subscriber and usually when we listen to music in the car is really because we use his phone being mirrored through carplay Usually, uh, when it's my phone, it does mean that like I'm I'm alone in the car, or we are listening to Savage Love, which is one of the rare podcasts we listen together. But usually, when it's his phone, there's always some music playing, and it's funny because all of the music app on CarPlay and it's part of the design, they look the same, they work the same, because uh, you're not developing the real UI, just like providing the data to a canvas, and then Apple is rendering this canvas with your own uh, data. Like I said in the introduction, CarPlay has some more feature, like audiobooks playback, uh, audio playback of uh, other audio services. Uh, I haven't tried any like kind of online streaming audio services, whether it's Beats One or Pandora or any of those like really like on internet radio services. So I cannot comment on whether they're good or bad, but if they're as good as the typical uh, streaming or local playing of media like Overcast or Apple Music is, the integration is super nice and easy to use. Now we'll move to the next section. where I want to discuss about the u- the feature as a user that I like and the feature that I don't like about CarPlay. And obviously, stuff that I don't like could be good improvements of what we could do in part of a redesign with CarPlay. And I think the best argument for CarPlay as a u- for a user is it's a familiar user experience. It's the same amazing or just good depending on your opinion about what you think about Apple users' experiences, but it is the same logic beyond the user experience that you would expect from your phone. So the look is familiar, the interaction you have with the screen or the buttons. Uh, It's important to note that my infotainment system does not have physical controls to uh, drive its UI, so I need to touch a screen. So it's really akin to using a bigger iPhone in the car. And for that, CarPlay is as good as kind of using your phone while driving. It's I'm not suggesting we, you should use your phone while driving, but if it were something feasible or if it were uh, Apple that could uh, provide uh, user experience as a service for car manufacturer, that's what I would expect them to provide. And that's what we see. Yeah, and I have one thing to add on that, which is uh, the German report, right? It said iPad, iPhone, and um, CarPlay home screens are being redesigned. I think it's not a coincidence that if they were to redesign the iOS home screens, they will also do CarPlay as well. Because as you say, if it's meant to be as familiar as the iPhone, if there's a change in logic in one place, you sort of have to mirror that change in the other. Yeah, exactly. And also, we know that the Apple TV home screen is influenced by the one on touch devices. So I was surprised to see in this report that it was not included. So that's why I was I was thinking that naming CarPlay was part of the rumor. It, it was not just like, I'm naming iOS interfaces. It's really like those three are planned to be redesigned. Related to that, it's quote-unquote the same as as on normal iOS. 
Mm. <laughs> it's in quote unquote. So it's not the custom user experience that developers would like to see. And we'll talk about that a bit more in the excuse me, in the developer section. But if let's take uh, as an example Overcast, because that's the only third party um, app that supports CarPlay that I use daily. If Overcast supports CarPlay and as a good example, so they want to make sure that you can use their uh, its smart speed feature and all of this. Even if Apple is limiting what you can do as a UI, those feature can still go through CarPlay because it's just playing files from your phone. At the same time, uh, messages, Siri, Maps, they work the same as on your phone. Uh, We'll revisit some of the third-party third-party apps limitation, but the I, Apple included apps, it is quote-unquote the same apps as normal OS, and you don't feel lost or in a different paradigm uh, whether you're running from one app to the other. It all feels uh, consistent. You'll kind of realize that the list is quite short of stuff I like, but <laughs> the way I think about it is the familiarity of CarPlay is so important that right now it outweighs a lot of stuff I don't like. And the stuff I don't like, there's also a good reason. Some of them, there's a good reason. Some others, like missing third-party navigation apps, which I discussed in great length in the past, might not have good reasons. But uh, it feels to me that a lot of the stuff I don't like could be uh, improved gradually in CarPlay, and that's what we'll go through. Uh, The first one is... Like iOS, sometimes some actions requires a lot of taps uh, to be handled. I think the best example is, imagine right now we are in my car driving along a nice beautiful road and we're looking at the step-by-step navigation directions. Uh, And we also want to uh, have uh, the maps view right now open because I might be looking for a restaurant first. But I want to reply to a quick message or I want to change overcast so i really need to go back to the home screen press the overcast icon and either change which playlist i want to do or stop or fast forward a bit Uh, of course some of those typical audio playback uh, controls are available through siri so you don't need to use your fingers and like lift your hand from the steering wheel to do that but just changing a song sometimes you will need to use the user interface and I feel stu- it feels to me that CarPlay is a bit like a huge iPhone in your car and it assumes that you are able to either tap on the screen to navigate or use the physical controls on your car either if your car has a d-pad a scroll wheel and all like it still feels that you need to do those like tick 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 like couple of taps to go to the place you are and for a car interface it feels to me that it's asking too much of the user while the user is supposed to do something more important, which is driving. Wait, so does CarPlay not respond to the Apple Music actions for Siri? Because you said you can't skip a song. Or did you just mean a podcast since Overcast is a third-party app? I think it depends. I think it really depends on the third-party app. Since Marco Ament is doing a good job of supporting the remote controls, uh, you could do it by just like double pressing the skip button will skip a podcast like you were uh, doing on the phone but usually sometimes what happens is i just want to like go to the third next podcast i don't want to do like smashing my button on the wheel so that it becomes a compromise of do i smash the button on the wheel or i just go play in the ui yeah but i mean like can you still like call up songs by name though with apple music because Apple Music Siri support is quite extensive, so I would be really shocked if it didn't work in the car. Yes, and you're bringing to uh, you're bringing it to a good point. You can do it for Apple Music, but not for third party uh, applications. Well, yeah, I, I I thought like that was sort of understood that like the Siri Kit intents don't exist for audio apps, so you can't really do any of that. Yes, for sure. And we'll talk about Siri Kit audio apps a bit later, part of the redesign section. But um, like this example of me thinking that it requires a bit too much of taps when you use the when you're you really need to use the UI like Apple is slowly but surely improving that uh, when CarPlay first launched uh, when you were on the home screen you only had the home button or the time and 
in the recent version of iOS, they also added this mini dock on the side of the window where it contains the three last use app to help you better switch between apps. And obviously, because it's Apple and they know that you're driving, the touch area is really good. So they're slowly but surely improving, but I still feel that sometimes when you need to use the uh, application, like they require you to do uh, a lot of taps when I don't want to spend 30 seconds looking at the screen while I'm driving. The next point is missing third-party navigation apps. And as a user, even if I could understand the dev reason behind it, and I don't want to tackle the dev reason just yet, but as a user, yes, Apple Map is good here, but Google Maps is better, and also Waze is better. Oh in God, you're one of those people. And yes, um, at the same time, recently, when I have to drive through traffic, and it's usually during the winter, uh, the summer only, when I want to drive up north on the uh, northern shore to go to the racetrack after work, uh, recently I did some comparison uh, with Waze and Apple Maps. Nothing scientific, but Waze is good at redirecting you fast when it detects traffic. Apple Maps is slower at that. That's something I realized. So... Sometimes, since I don't spend too much time in traffic, I want to minimize the time I spend in traffic. So that's the main reason why I use uh, Waze. It's pronounced Waze. Oh, Waze? Okay, that's good. Yeah. The next point I have in my list is, I think it's something that Apple maybe did not consider, or if they consider it, didn't, like it said that it's a third level priority. And it's the concept that your phone is mirroring what it sees on screen. And it makes total sense where it's your phone that is plugged in. But when it's your friend in the car or significant other in the, in the car and they have their phone plugged in for A, charging their phone, B, also because they want their music to play and not yours, and C, because it's their phone run being plugged in, they also have the navigation uh configured so you end up in a situation where the driver wants to see the navigation but the person is using an unsupported app for carplay a good example of that is whatever safari or yeah safari is a good example carplay is a mirror of your phone when an app does not support carplay carplay go back goes back into the home screen oh wow i didn't know that so imagine if i want to see the navigation and the good example is telling sometimes we're driving, like we're go- we're driving for an hour and a half between Montreal and Toronto. Yeah, if you want to maybe look at Facebook, look at Safari. The second you change the app, it reflects it on Apple CarPlay. So it's fine when he's uh, looking at Apple Music or something like that. But let's be honest, when he's in the car and it's in long drive in boring one. He's not looking at music all the time. He sh- wants to look at news and stuff like that. And it, the fact that it resets to the home screen because it says, oh, this app doesn't have any like CarPlay supported APIs and stuff like that is kind of painful when I want to uh, see the step-by-step navigation. And the next step, of course, there's navigation notification that will show when an important milestone happens in the navigation, but still it feels more like I don't need to concentrate on the infotainment system for that to happen. And of course I could tell Tony to stop looking at Facebook, but it feels to me that I think this app mirroring could be a bit more flexible. On the technical side, do you know if CarPlay runs in the actual app or if it runs as an extension? Because in my head it was always an extension, but I don't know if it's actually that in practice. I think it's an extension, but Apple is always a bit unclear about that. And I think they just don't want you to know. <laughs> I can imagine, because I, I always thought it worked like original WatchKit apps on WatchOS 1, where technically like all the processing is happening on the phone, but it's happening sandbox outside of the actual app. And the way you're talking about it, it doesn't sound like it's like that at all. And it requires the actual app to be frontmost all the time. And it's really strange. Oh, it does require the apps to be frontmost, and maybe it's an extension that requires the app to be frontmost to have access to its data. Maybe That's really it's really weird, but it's still really weird. It like it makes sense that you are mirroring your phone's interface, but 
I could feel that what you're mirroring on your phone and what you're doing on your phone could be two distinct screens the same way where you use AirPlay. And it is two distinct screens, but they're still like linked to the app. So I think it's kind of running into those same limitations as AirPlay, where uh, if an app rec- needs access to a second screen, it's when this app is in the foreground that acts, uh, it has access to the second screen. Yeah, that makes sense. It's still strange that an extension wouldn't be able to do that, but I don't know the technical details. Yeah, I mean, like here we're talking only about the, the user perspective, and for a user, it does sound weird. And you can imagine that we're driving down the road, and I then, like, I'm like, oh, I want to see the navigation. I press navigation, and then Tony's like, ah, why are you showing Big Mac ma- uh, back maps? Because I want to see maps. Uh, my last one on the list is I think we're at this point where Siri is missing. I put it smart on quote, but I think it's most it's mostly integrated in car features. Uh, I have two examples. Uh, the first one, and I think the first one could be done right now in the limitation that CarPlay has. But uh, my previous car, and I think even the uh, Focus with the Sync Two and Six Sync Three system. Uh, they have automatic zoom leveling according to the car speed. And this is super useful when you're uh, maybe driving on a boulevard in a city and then going small street and then a boulevard and small street. And the GPS functionality of your car will detect that, the navigation system, and then would show you more details, more details, less details, more details, less details, without you having to adjust the zoom level uh, in the UI. Of course, this the uh, CarPlay doesn't have access to the car speed sensors. It only access have access to the GPS. So that's why I think it could some be so be something feasible with the current implementation of CarPlay. But the other example I think that is super genius on Volkswagen cars is when the car is running low on gas. Whether you're uh, and whether you're running CarPlay itself or running the Volkswagen infotainment system. You'll have a Volkswagen infotainment system notification saying, "Oh, I've detected that your car is running low. Do you want me to sh- to show you the sh- the shortest or the closest gla- gas station to your current location?" Like to me, if we're bringing screens and computers in the cars, it should do that. It should say like, "My car is having a problem. Let's try to find the nearest dealers to your place, or let me bubble up this information to the dealership." But the way Apple designed CarPlay is CarPlay is its own silo. It requires a little vehicle information. I think the two ones is it needs to have access to the GPS sensor to have more accuracy with its GPS tracking compared to your phone's GPS. And the other one is to have access to the brake sensor light, which usually... uh, Cars, normal cars you will uh, will want to have access to to detect whether the car is uh, running or not. Like they want to know whether, like a good example that CarPlay does is, once you're parked, you can use the on the on-screen keyboard. When you're driving, it forces you to use Siri. Apple, when they design CarPlay, they really like. Now we're going a bit about like, the explanation of it, and the fact that CarPlay is still its own silo is good and bad. The part that is good is Apple, with its privacy privacy stance, they don't want to have access to this data. The less they have, the better they are. At the same time, to me, the most worrisome information that they could have for my car is where the car is. And they already need that for maps to work. So I don't mind if they have the level the like my gas level in the car. That that to me makes like me worry less. Then compare that I trust that Apple is doing the right thing with my maps location. And even then, like, I feel like there's more, um, like, health stuff is in iCloud now, right? So, yeah. like, why can't you just keep car stuff as well? It's, like, even less privacy, like, it's even less of a privacy issue than uh, just having your health stuff there. So, I don't know. Yeah, and at the same time, it has been an advantage for uh, CarPlay. In the last few years, since our last episode, a uh, huge last episode about CarPlay in 2015, and now there's been a lot of the car manufacturers that have adopted CarPlay, but they did not adopt Android Auto. And the main difference is Android Auto, I don't think they forces 
the car manufacturer, but it's strongly suggested that Android Auto should have access to the OBD2 interface, the onboard Dynastic 2 uh, interface. So it then can detect whether the uh, engine and uh, 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 car computer are, have faulty codes and can give, even give you suggestions like some of those uh, now like OBD2 uh, dongles that have uh, an iOS uh, app. And some car manufacturer, I think Porsche was a good example of that. They said, we don't mind adopting CarPlay. CarPlay is good. We like what Apple wants us to give, but we won't adopt Android Auto because they're asking too much of us. And what they want to have access to it, we only want to keep that data for ourselves. So maybe Apple knew that this would be coming to them and, uh, and maybe Google would run into this problem. But at the same time, I think, and I could envision the same way that this OBD2 port is a standard to have access to all of the car's information. And since it's a onboard, it's a dynastic port, of course it's super insecure because you need to debug something in the car. You want to have access to everything. So I think, then that's my small tangent about CarPlay as a silo, is that I think if we are able to see in the future where we have kind of a standardized read-only car interface where I can have access to whether the car is in uh, the which gear, what's the current fuel level, and small like important information that could be super useful for smart apps and infotainment system like CarPlay without giving an open door to all of the computers that are now in our cars and even like control them remotely like we've seen in the past. So small tangent about that, but I would like to, uh, to see CarPlay open the silo, but at the same time, I do understand that it might be a hard wish to have. Let's move to dev wishes, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I've discussed in Grant Land in episode 66, uh, the quickest follow-up ever, where I, we were talking about a WDBC session we loved, and I went into big details about how you can integrate CarPlay and all. But the small tangent I want to talk in more details is Apple, they need to get their shit together and we they need to support third-party navigation apps. We discussed about Waze a bit uh, before and it's funny because Ford uh, have their own app, they call it Appling, so they have their own kind of four-app API to communicate with their infotainment system. And this year, Ford announced that they are bringing ways to their AppLink platform for iOS in April. So Ford Sync 3 AppLink is, like I said, an API that is provided by Ford for communicating with Sync system. It's a bit more like uh, the watch kit. So it's an API in its first, in, in first instance that is like, sending command to the infotainment system and also kind of saying, oh, I want to show this. But you don't have access fully to the screen to navigate. And I think Waze is part of these new batches of AppLink apps where Waze is drawing their own UI. Because if you look at the screenshot from the announcement, Waze, it's the same familiar interface that you know Waze and it's running into Ford's infotainment system. So that's quite interesting. AppLink by itself is not a popular and I'm sure you're not surprised by that, but it's not a popular development platform. The list of supported apps is pretty minimal, though it has big names. I'm sure those big names come from deals uh, with Ford. Uh, a good example of that is Pandora, uh, Spotify, Alexa. Yes, I did say Alexa on your card. Uh, I think part of this Waze announcement, uh, Ford also announced that they have apps that you can install on phone to have access to Alexa in your car. Oh, and a uh, small aside, kind of real-time follow-up. Uh, Spotify is not really supported with Appling. It was quite funny because uh, when I was searching for Appling and to better understand what uh, Ford is giving uh, to developers, they, they use like shop Spotify uh, everywhere as an example. But if you go to Spotify's website, they say that they removed support last January. So I think January 18, they deprecated support for Appling, which quite seriously made me laugh. So I would like to see that Apple supports third-party navigation. And in the meantime, we see that car manufacturer understands that people, they don't care about the Navigon or the TomTom system that Ford or any other car manufacturer is doing deals to integrate in their infotainment system. 
people want Google Map or they want Waze or they want Apple Maps. I'm not surprised. I'm seriously not. Would be surprised if people say I want Apple Maps. But uh, joking aside, car manufacturer are kind of right now forced to integrate with the big names in the market, and then that means Google. Okay, now we're all. All of this brings me to the redesign. So what I would like to see of a CarPlay redesign. CarPlay is doing a lot of good things, but I start to think that the app metaphor is a bit over for it. Yes, it should still continue to run apps, but I don't think the home screen should be a typical iOS grid. And that's where I hope when they mention that it's part of the redesign is we see more flexibility for it. I think CarPlay should steal from its watchOS and tvOS siblings and have a more context-aware home screen. Something akin to either the complications or even, I think the best example, something akin like the Siri watch face. I would like it to show what audio sources is currently playing. What is the next step in my step-by-step navigation? Maybe the two or three top unread messages or missed phone calls. But depending on the context right now in my car, whether I, where I am or if I run into an issue, I would like it to suggest me stuff that is relevant to me just with an eyesight. I look, oh, this is relevant to me right now while I'm driving. I don't have to do four or five taps. I just like tap once and it does what it suggests me. So yeah, a good example of that. And Apple Maps is already doing it, but to me, it feels it's a bit too late. So those auto-suggestion they are already a part of the Apple Maps app integration on CarPlay. But it always happens when you open Maps. So the first time you open Maps, when you either like start your car and about to drive, Maps is now intelligent enough to suggest, like, oh, I think now you're at home, I think you want to go to work because it's around the time you want to go to work. But to do that, I need to open the Maps app. Then in the pop-up, it says, oh, yes, are you really sure you want to go to work? or to go to your parents' place because I detected that, oh, we can go to your parents' place. You need to say yes. And then you need to say, which route do you want to use? Because you're in the Maps app. So the Maps app, it makes sense that it's asking you, like, which route do you want to use and give you a, uh, a suggestion. But I could see where this context of our home screen just says, usually around this time, you want to go to work or you want to go to this place. Press here. It will start the navigation with the shortest route and you don't have to care. So yes, this context-aware screen, home screen, will be super useful if it will uh, where to provide more information while you're driving. Like I said, those quick glances are super important when driving. You don't want to leave your ends of the screen and then play with the screen. And that's one of the problems I mentioned, and I think that's where CarPlay could make the most improvements. Also part of those quick glances on the home screen I could be already seeing part of my step-by-step navigation. What is the weather in the next city I'm traveling to? Another example that I mentioned, part of the don't likes, is some of the missing smart car features. If my car is running low on gas, I would like to know where is the closest gas station or the price per liter to. And this could be part of the screen saying like, oh, uh, I know you want to go there. Like, which is like, I want, I know you want to travel to the next city, but I see with your current gas level, you won't have enough gas. So part of the navigation and all, it will reroute and also say, here's the card to say like, oh, the price around this a region is, let's say, a dollar 30 cents per liter, something like that. And all of the improvements we saw in the infotainment system in the last few years were about showing more information to the driver. And I think it's time to be more aware about what do we need to show to the information and only show what's important right now. And I think the current implementation of CarPlay and even sometimes iOS devices, they fail at this. We always need to dig through the, uh, to, to the apps. And now this is my main pain, not pain point, but that's kind of the main point about the redesign where I'm sure some of our listeners, if they are users of Android, they're like, wait a sec. Because if you're an Android user, you might be laughing a lot right now. Because listening to me asking for a more for a context-aware home screen is what Android Auto is. And yes, you're right. I never personally experienced Android Auto myself, but every time I watch review of it, and I see this Google, like I think they changed it for Google Assistant now, but the Google they used to call it the Google Now UI, which is the home screen of Android Auto. I am officially. It's still called Google Now. Oh, really? Okay. 
But this Google Now screen, I'm seriously jealous of it. I think that's kind of the beauty of Android Auto is this home screen where it is expected that you see all of the information you need while you enter your car. You plug the phone because uh, I don't, don't recall if Android Auto can be wireless now. But even if it can be wireless, the second you use Android Auto, you see the most important information you need to know when you're about to drive. At the same time, part of the redesign, and since we're also on the subject of Android Auto, I think Apple should completely steal, without shame, the feature that Android Auto is an app on your phone. And this app lets you transform your phone into an Android, an Android Auto infotainment system. And that would be huge security improvements for a lot of drivers right now because they might not be able or they might not want to change their cars yet and they are already uh, using a shit ton of accessory to mount their phone in the car so why not give them the same functionality as CarPlay even if they're not running a CarPlay compatible infotainment system. I think it's another good strategy that Android and Google is doing with Android Auto that, you know what, Apple can, in my opinion, part of the redesign, shamelessly steal it to Google. All of this is to say too about this context-aware screen. I need to think about the place that Siri has in it. Of course, I don't think it makes sense to get rid of Siri, especially in the car. I think Siri in the car like or any voice assistant product, they make sense in the car because you can't use your hands. But I think like a lot of complaints we hear about the HomePod and its Siri integration, I think we need more and a, be- a consistent intent support. CarPlay audio apps that we have right now should be able to provide an audio Siri intent. Same with right now, you can talk to Apple Maps, but we don't have third-party navigation apps but we do have them on iOS. And all of these interactions should be consistent on CarPlay, on Siri, and on your phone. I should be able to say, insert can assistant name here, show me my way home using Waze. I should be able to say that on my phone, in CarPlay, via Siri, the same way it should work the same. And giving that power to Siri and this context-aware screen would bring, in my opinion, CarPlay to what infotainment system in car should be. So all of this is to say that I'm super excited that we are having Apple saying that, oh yes, we're thinking about like we people at Apple are saying that, yes, CarPlay redesign is coming. I'm not saying that it needs huge improvements because CarPlay right now is a good product and the fact that Apple decided to step into the car infotainment system to provide a better solution to their user because Apple is good at user interface and they've showed that with CarPlay. But I think they just need to course correct and in my opinion, the context-aware home screen is a good course correction. That would make sense after CarPlay being out in their wall in four years. And hopefully, maybe Apple has a better uh, idea about what they should do with CarPlay, but that's what I would like them to see. I think it's kind of funny that um, you were suggesting, well, not suggesting, but you said that Google Now was very interesting uh, with regards to Android Auto, because when I was talking about um, the Apple Watch right after it was released, I said one of the great things about, uh, what the hell is the Android Watch called? God damn, I forgot. That's how relevant it is. Android Wear. Yeah, Android Wear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Android Wear's main user interface was also Google Now. And I said, that seems like a great idea for Apple to steal. And years later, we got the Siri watch face, which is kind of trying to do that, except not really, because nothing feeds into the Siri watch face except Apple-provided apps. And if you don't use any of them, it's completely useless. Right. And on the watch, it, it kind of doesn't make sense because you have a lot of watch that could provide information for it. But on the car... There's not that much more information that CarPlay has that it could not provide to one of those screens. Definitely. And especially if like the Siri API is extended so that applications can provide, or at least applications with Siri kit intents can provide cards that are relevant for the Siri watch face and the Siri car face. Like that could work. I, and I was really looking forward to this recording of this episode because 
I was really wondering what you were going to come up with. And the first thing that came to mind is like, well, if I was going to redesign CarPlay, I would just make it more like watchOS and less like iOS, because I feel like watchOS's values are more in line with what the car needs. I think it should be pretty much the same design values as the watch. Glanceability um, with comp- customizable complications so you can put whatever is relevant. And the rest of the interaction should primarily happen through Siri if Siri is good. Um, the big debate right now in the community is really, is Siri good? And is Apple qualified to make Siri better? And there are big doubts about that. And we will surely talk about it on a future episode about my Echo review someday. But yeah, it, I found it kind of funny that we basically came to the same conclusion, despite me not really riding in cars much. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, the watch the watch OS uh, example is super relevant, and I think a, I think it's kind of a bit of the course correction that Apple is trying to do with the Apple TV too. I think they realize that going through apps is maybe not the best idea ever. Like it works on the phone, it works on the iOS on iPad. But they tried it on Apple TV, didn't work that much. Tried it on the Apple Watch, didn't work that much. Well, I, I don't actually believe for one second that the apps were the original plan for the Apple TV. I think they always intended for it to go through the TV app, except they couldn't com- uh, convince their partners to do it. True. No, true. That, ma- that makes sense. But it still drives my argument that they thought about saying, we should give you a... Gener- not a generic review, just to give you a portal where you have not only the information available, but the information the most relevant to what you should be doing right now. Whether you're in your couch trying to look at something to watch, whether you're driving to your next destination, or whether you're in between meetings in the office or walking in the city and you want to know what's coming in schedule. Like, the watch is good at that. The Apple TV is quite good at uh, TV apps. If the TV content providing is part of the Apple TV app. And I feel that CarPlay could excel at that too. Definitely. I would love to say more, except um, the newest Skype update is really fucking with my audio horribly. Oh, no, so I'm no, terrified. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Terrified no. to say anything. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm recording. currently watching my volume oscillate between max volume and lowest volume. And the setting for automatically adjusting your input volume is disabled however it's doing it anyway because fucking skype yes and you we just did one typical full about podcast we talked about skype on a podcast yeah well we do it for comedic value yes that's the end of the show anyway yeah that's the best way to end up the episode carplay is good apple should improve it because it's good and skype microsoft should improve skype so that it doesn't <laughs> fuck with the volume while i'm talking god damn it <laughs> Wow. Then let's wrap it up. All right. I'll try to wrap it up. Uh, If you can still hear me, uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 84. Uh, You can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. I promise they have better audio than this one. Um, Well, most of them anyway. Uh, You can find the show on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. And you can find us individually on Twitter as well. I am at Sakarina, that's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Luc Olivier at Luconoche, that's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-C-H-E. And I would like to know if you agree or disagree that Apple should still Google Home, uh, Google Now for CarPlay. Wow, viewer engagement. Look yes. at that. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>